The Motivational Moments podcast is made possible by the generous sponsorship of Prime Information Security, online at www.primeinfosec.com, and with the support of our many subscribers. Thank you. Today's episode of Motivational Moments features audio taken from my Conversations video series at www.motivationalsteps.com slash conversations. Hello everyone, it's Linda Ockwell-Jenner here with another Motivational Steps Conversations. Today I'm very, very excited to introduce you to um, someone I met on LinkedIn. It's a fabulous, fabulous platform as long as you actually build relationships on there, which Robert Pardy and myself did, and we immediately decided that we liked each other, which is good, and he has such an inspirational story. I invited him here today. Now, he's in the wonderful place of Italy. I'm so jealous. I bet it's warm there, but originally Robert is from New York City. Hello, Robert. Hello there, and how are you? I'm very, very excited because we've had so many conversations on LinkedIn, but we've never actually done this before, and um, I truly am inspired by your story. So could you tell us um, basically what you're doing at the moment? You've got a fabulous um, retreat business, and um, I guess um, you're a coach. Sure. Um, First, I will tell you, though, that it is freezing cold. So even though you're jealous of Italy, I happen to be – 900 meters above sea level so it's freezing cold where i am so where exactly are you so i am in a region called abruzzo which is basically right in the middle of italy i'm an hour and a half east of rome and an hour west of the adriatic sea so it's actually cold here today (laughs) it's actually cold it snowed yesterday so yes it's cold and my house is 500 years old so no matter what I do, it's drafty. <laughs> it's absolutely wonderful. So I'd love you to, to, to share, you know, um, what you're actually doing at the moment with your business. But then I'd like to touch a little bit on your early life because, as I say, the story has some really sad moments in it, but it also has some inspiring moments. Of, of course. So um, I, am a, I am a life coach. I became a life coach in 2014. And... I basically work in two different areas. So I work in transformational coaching and also growth from grief. They are really the same thing when you think about it, because to grow from grief means transformation as well. So that's what I offer. And then outside of that, because of my having experienced grief and moving to Italy because of that, Italy played such an important role that I started to have these experiential retreats in Puglia, Italy, which is four hours south of me, where we actually use locations as metaphors for life skills, such as purpose or passion or limiting beliefs and how to overcome them. So that's basically what I do in a nutshell. Wow, that's absolutely fantastic. I'm I'm in awe of you. I really am. I read your story and it, you know, I was just amazed how far you've come because I believe um, you were born in New York City. Yes, I was. I was actually born in the Bronx and I spent some of my time in, in New York City, then Queens, then Long Island, and then back to New York City 
when I got married and for my MBA because I went to Columbia in New York City. But yes, born in, born in the Bronx, raised Harlem, Queens, Long Island, like we just kept going east. <laughs> so um, I'm born in England, obviously, Birmingham, which is the best city in the world. And uh, Dave and myself visit New York, you know, for work and stuff like that, not since COVID, obviously. So to me, it sounds the, the perfect place really to grow up where I'm, I'm thinking after reading your story that you didn't have the perfect childhood, did you? No, actually, you know, I, I do look back on my childhood with gratitude and I definitely look towards my father with gratitude as well. He passed away many, many years ago, but I did grow up with an alcoholic abusive father. And so that taught me a lot of life skills, but I didn't have the traditional childhood of friends coming over my house because he didn't want anybody over my house. And it was both physical and psychological abuse, which really I didn't ever share with anyone. I shared with one really good friend because I would run to his house many a night to sleep there when I could tell my father was going to sort of, you know, switch. Because my father could either be in a way, a very loving drunk where he would hug me and kiss me and tell me he loved me or very, very violent. And so I was able to tell, believe it or not, by the music he was listening to, which way it was probably going to go because I became very skilled at reading signs, which is, is all very interesting because for me as a child, as soon as I was old enough to defend myself, the actually all the abuse stopped because I basically stopped speaking to my father, even though we lived in the same home. And I, I told him basically point blank, I don't like you. I don't love you. And I don't want to be like you. And I will do everything I can to be different. Now, it was also very difficult for my mom because my mom's always been afraid of being alone. And as a young boy, she would tell me things like, I wish I could leave your father, but I can't. But on the same side, if he beat me, she would say, can you go apologize to your father? And so that time that I actually fought back and she asked me to go apologize to him is when I said, this is where it ends. And my idea as a 13 year old was money would save me. And so I started doing everything I could to make money. I worked jobs before school, after school. It was possible back then. A 13-year-old could find work and it was off the books or whatever. And I also thought, okay, I'm going to go into finance. I am going to, it was the Gordon Gecko, Ronald Reagan era dynasty in Dallas. And all I kept thinking was money would save me. Money is my security, which I learned it wasn't. Uh, because of the journey with my wife. But that was sort of my, my childhood. And so, again, like I was saying, it did teach me lessons about resilience and grit and uncertainty and the need for action and uh, cognitive framing, which I didn't know those words as a kid, but I knew I had two choices, right? I could either do the woe is me, which... I think was really what my father lived. My father was a very unhappy man, of course. 
And so I went on the extreme opposite. Well, I'm going to be the, you know, the survivor, the thriver, the achiever, the, you know, that was, and all the things that I thought I could do to be completely different. And his mom, which I love her to death. I mean, she passed away many, many years ago, but his mom would tell me all the time, look at your father. You never want to be like that. Look at your father. He is, he is a slave to alcohol and cigarettes, and you don't want to be a slave ever. You want freedom. So that was the childhood situation. Resilience. That, that's a wonderful word. I, I know other people have kind of said the same thing, that the childhood was, was something that, you know, they didn't know they were resilient until they, you know, were a little bit older. Um, when someone's an alcoholic, does it always mean that it's um, genetic? It's a disease, isn't it? it? Is it is it always like a disease or is it sometimes because people drink to forget the bad times? I mean, I'm not a doctor, I don't know. Well, I, I'm, I'm not a doctor either, but what I could tell you is because I did spend a lot of time trying to understand it. And of course, as a kid, I was absorbing information just to try to understand if it was my fault. But r really what the case was, his sister was also an alcoholic. So I tend to think it was genetic. But as I think about my father, his life, the way he was, the things he said, my father did not want to live the life he was living. And so the alcohol, in my opinion, was a way for him to numb from the fact that I think he wanted to be famous. He, want, he, he loved to sing. He played the guitar. I think he wanted to be a Beatle, to tell you the truth. <laughs> um, you know, so there was whenever there were their friends, the adult friends, my parents' friends over, my dad would always get drunk, sing, play the guitar. He liked sort of that presence and not, I think, living the traditional life that he wound up living. I do know he didn't want children, so that may have been an, an aspect as well. But I don't know the answer, whether it's genetic or whether it is um, just because someone is unhappy. But if you think about the way we all live, you know, there are a lot of habitual things we all do to numb. Today, a lot of people just spend time scrolling Instagram. You know, they could spend hours of just this distraction to not face something maybe they want to face. So I believe that's what my father was living. And the opposite side of that, because I believe that as a child, I told myself, well, I'm going to face everything head on. I am never going to be afraid of anything. And so that was the, the bifurcation in terms of our, our personalities, because I used that experience to craft a story of me rising above all the time. In this life now that you live in, I know you've had um, some really, really, you know, terrible times before we get to where we are today. But you're very, very strong and determined to say, well, I don't want the same life that my dad had. But 
did you have to have therapy? I know it's a personal question, but I also had a mom who I think had, you know, she was an alcoholic, but she had some, I believe, mental health challenges, but you didn't talk about it in those days. So I also grew up thinking everything was my fault. And I know how I dealt with that, but I guess was your work part of how you dealt with the past of saying it's my fault and realised it wasn't your fault and this is why you went on to help people? Actually, the... the the event I lived with my wife, that experience is what led me to to change careers and step into the the world of service and helping people. Before that, it was always finance, and even though it wasn't a passion. But the the point you brought up about two things: one, the the my fault. I came to the realization at a young age that. It didn't. Now, this is what's what's very odd. I guess I was gifted to be very insightful as a child. I had never had therapy. I barely spoke to anybody about these issues. But one of the characteristics I've always had is levity and laughing and making fun of things that are not great. So when, for example, there were times that I would run out of the house and run to my friend's house and we would joke about my father stumbling and falling and looking like a beached whale and I was able to escape and make fun of it. And if you think about really the Harry Potter series, in that book, there's the, the charm ridiculous, which is to change something fearful into something funny. There's a lot of self-help in that book, if you really think about it. But that was one of the things I always laughed. I always made fun of the difficult things. And second, the fact that I I chose to, in a way, think of myself as the person that was overcoming something. You know, maybe that's because I loved Superman as, as a kid. I don't know. Um, but it was always the idea of, which is the stoic belief, but I didn't understand that back then because I didn't know anything about stoicism of the, the obstacle is the way, you know, what doesn't kill you makes you stronger. That whole mindset, which I don't know where it came from. Did it come from my family being immigrants? And so therefore, you know, they all left Italy and I live where my grandfather left he was 13 years old when he got on a boat. It took him three months. You know, he had, I think, $7 in his pocket. And that was, he never saw his family again. So was that genetically imprinted? I don't know. But the, I didn't have therapy, but I did talk to myself a lot. It's funny, my, my second book has a, it's about a magical creature named Filbert. And when I was a little kid, I had a imaginary leprechaun named Filbert that I would talk to <laughs> about what was going on. So who knows? It's weird. It's really weird because I could just be saying this, but I'm not, you know, if you know some of my childhood friends, they would tell you this. I also used to run to my friend's house. Is um, a guy. We we were both um, almost two when we moved into the homes with our parents, you know, our family homes. But I didn't know what was wrong with my mom, 
So I used to, you know, run over the road to, you know, my friend's house and I didn't tell them what was going on. I didn't say my mom is having an argument or she's doing this, that, or that. I just wanted some company of somebody who I thought was normal. And for me, it was my um, my auntie who lived to be, um, I think she was 96 when she died. She lived kind of around the corner from me, mom and dad. And I used to go and see her and she's very like you and myself in the fact that she became a widow very early on. Her husband died in a car crash and she never remarried and she um, brought up two children on her own, never remarried. And I would look at her as my kind of strength and, you know, somebody I could turn to. So I think we were meant to get together, Robert, and, and, and you know, share your story and, and help other people. So now I know why you moved to Italy because obviously that's where, you, you know, your um, grandfather lived till he came to, to America. and. I guess by starting the business, it's primarily because it helps you, but you want to help many other people as well. This is most common in, in the line of work we do, isn't it, really? One, 100%. You know, I was, I was also blessed to have spent a lot of time in India. And I think part of that experience as well taught me a lot about service, taught me a lot about how blessed we, we really are and how many times we take things for granted, but, you know, we, we, we are blessed. And so there was that aspect of wanting to step into service. There was the aspect of, and it's a belief, actually. When I started to think about, well, what value do I really give? And this is when I was in finance and everything else. I was realizing that Yes, while I can make money and I can leave money to charity or whatever the case is, my true legacy is the way I live life and the stories I'm leaving behind. And so all the experiences that I have and I've had don't have value, in my opinion, unless I share them. And then they have that ripple effect. So that that really is, and, and the journey with my wife as well, all of that led me to understand a bigger picture beyond myself. And it wasn't necessarily for, for my own healing, uh, because to tell you the truth, I, I made peace along the way. And so what, whatever issues I had, um, whatever experiences I had, I did, I did process them and it wasn't that I ever turned inside or turned to the type of work we do or to learn it to live better myself, but it was, okay, how do I put labels on what I know to be true? You know, resilience, for example, I, I, I define it as it's not about bouncing back because we don't want to bounce back to where we were because we've already learned we want to bounce beyond and so i wanted to understand okay i believe this i want people to hear this i want to know how to explain this i want to know what this world is of personal growth and and self-development and all of that and that's that's what led me into it because i'm not a believer in looking so much at the whys behind things. 
You know, we can we can do an archaeological dig with why for our whole life. At the end of the day, blame it on our parents. I don't know. Blame it on whoever you wanted to. But you're here now. What do you do now? And that's why my my idea of possibility in action, because you are a possibility. I am a possibility. There's possibilities all around us without action. Nothing happens. I, I, this is like this is like watching a movie. Somebody I really really admire, and I'm just listening and taking it all in. What I'd like, you know, uh, uh, have you know our audience to get from this is basically we can make as much money as we want. It doesn't make us happy. We can win the lottery. Money doesn't make us happy. Money, you know, can't cure all the nasty diseases. It's up to us, I believe, like I'm sure you do that it's up to us not to ask the why. Because I often say this to people, it doesn't matter what happened in your childhood really. Well, it does, but you can't take it into the future. You've got to change your life. Obviously, it matters, but we have to change our lives for us. We can't, you know, really go back in time. And this is why I wanted you on the show, because you have... um, I guess you've got the story of success, and I'm sure many people look at you and go, oh, I wish I was Robert, I wish I lived in Italy, I wish I'd travelled to all these places, I wish, I wish, I wish. But the thing is, you've used the word possibility so many times, and I love that word possibility. And opportunities, I love the word opportunities. And I don't know about you, Robert, but I really believe that people are meant to meet each other for a reason. And I love networking, as you know. And I get a lot from networking. It's to help people realize you meet people. It's not all about the sale and the referral. And so you approached me on LinkedIn and said you like my story. And I thought, wow, this is somebody of your caliber. You know, like you, I feel like you're up there on your mountain I'm down here. And, and um, I learn a lot from you about resilience. And we both have really, uh, I'm not going to say sad stories. We both have, you know, stories about, you have your wife, I have my daughter, which again brings us together closer as human beings. And I really, really would love if if it's not too personal to for you to share your your story about, you know, your wife and how you were her caregiver. And um, in another, you know, episode of this, if, if you've got the time. But for now, if there's anything at all you could leave with our audience about, you know, moving on with their lives and you know, possibilities, you know, by taking action, you know, you could inspire them to, you know, do for themselves versus saying, can somebody do it for me? Sure. Um, and nothing is too personal, by the way. I'm I'm an open book. So whenever you want to talk about anything, and I just, I, I want to, I do want to say something to your audience because sometimes people think, oh, well, he was an investment banker. And so, yes, of course he could move to Italy. My wife journeyed with breast cancer for 11 years. That's not a cheap journey at all. She was diagnosed very young, so she didn't have life insurance. When I moved to Italy, I'm a Columbia MBA graduate, remember, I was teaching English for $8 an hour because I had to pay the bills. But it was a conscious choice to make an investment in myself to become something different. See, the thing is, a lot of times we define things as sacrifices. If I have to eat a peanut butter and jelly sandwich every night for a year to get me where I need to go, that's not a sacrifice. That's an investment because I see something in front of me. So what we're talking about here, first, 
I'm sure you would agree with this in terms of moving on. We move with, we may move forward, but we move with what we have been through. It has become part of our personality. It's a, it's a thread in our fabric. That is something we need to embrace. Number one. Number two is that if people are sitting here thinking about, yeah, I would love to do that, but I would love to do that, but it's that, but that, but is usually tied to fear. And you're thinking about the what ifs. One of the ways to start to move forward is instead of saying what if, or asking what if, ask yourself what's next, what's possible. Start to daydream, start to get yourself in that frame of possibilities. Because one of the things I say all the time is possibilities are all around us. They remain in the land of wishing until we take action. And that's a tough place to be, to always wish for something. We're a lot bigger than we really think we are. <laughs> just just keep talking. I'm going to be here all day. Um, <laughs> no, seriously, I, I know you, you've got a busy, um, busy afternoon. Um, wonderful, inspirational. Um, I just love the way you approach the possibilities and your, you know, moving on with your life. And yes, I've also met those people that say, but um, I've also met the people that say the same to me, that they say to you, you're so lucky to have moved to Canada and managed to start two businesses. It was easy. And I must point out the um, peanut butter sandwich through no fault of ours, myself and my, you know, ex-husband who sadly passed away from cancer and when we moved over we lost everything we lost our business we lost everything and we had four children young children and basically yes we used to count how much we could spend in the supermarket and we didn't have peanut butter sandwiches because we're british we didn't know what they were in you know in canada but you know jam sandwiches egg sandwiches beans on toast and um, people don't seem to know the concept of um, we're not doing without, we are making the best of the situation. So, again, you know, I really feel you and I are meant to come together for a reason because you're helping me tremendously. Um, you know, I learn a lot from other people. I didn't go to college. I didn't go to university. I didn't attend any of those places. Everything is, you know, from up here, you know, it's something I feel, something I've been through. But I learn a lot from people like you. So thank you again for your time. I really, really appreciate it. And yes, we'll come back with another um, conversations episode because I, I, um, I would love for you to share your wife's journey. It will help so many people um, in many, many different ways. So thank you. Linda, this was an absolute pleasure. It, it really was. And um, also, you know, I, I have to in a way say that I think it's it's just absolutely beautiful for you to share. You, you didn't go to university or life lessons have so much value. What I do now is because I understand I've been through it. We can study and go to university and learn things and we will forget I, if you ask me to do an algebra something right now, there's no way I could I could create uh, you know I could solve an algebraic equation for for all the money in the world, even though I was in finance. 
So because it was something that wasn't inside. And like you said, it comes out from you. That, that's the gift we all have. And I love that you, you called that out because anyone listening, uh, that's your experiences taught you something. So that's something that you have that nobody else does.